Chapter Ten of Nelly Channel. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by John Brandon. Nelly Channel by Sarah Doudney. Chapter Ten. The Story of the One Dark Hour. Rhoda tried hard to conceal her loss. Now that the treasure was gone, she double-locked the casket. No one, she resolved, should know how poor she was. So well did she play her part that those around her thought her sterner and harder. That was all. Her manner to Ralph changed visibly. She began to avoid his company. Their familiar conversations were at an end. Her whole energy was now devoted to one endeavor to keep him in ignorance of that which he had won. If she were poor, he should be none the richer, and thus, poor soul, she went about her daily duties, putting on a hard face to hide her weakness. Even Nelly found that Rhoda was not so pleasant as she used to be, and the child turned more and more to Mr. Channel. Was he gaining her, too? I am losing everything, and he is getting everything, said Rhoda to herself. Perhaps this is God's way of showing me how small my strength is. Haven't I lost the very thing that I thought myself best able to keep? It will always be so with those whom the Lord teaches. In one way or another, the humbling process must be gone through. Sometimes it is seen of all men, sometimes it is known to him alone. But as certainly as he loves us, shall the nail that is fastened in the sure place be removed and be cut down and fall, and the burden that was upon it shall be cut off. For the Lord hath spoken it. In the soul that he makes his own, he will not leave a single peg to hang self-confidence upon. And when our chamber walls are bare and the tawdry rags of self-esteem are swept out, he will enter and fill the room with sweetness. One afternoon in the golden harvest time, Rhoda and Nellie sauntered up into the wheat fields. The reapers were resting under the hedges. In the largest field, nearly all the corn had been gathered into sheaves. Rhoda tired quickly now. For when the heart is heavy, the limbs are apt to be weary. She stopped in the middle of the field and dropped down to rest, leaning her back against a great russet shock. A few stray ears nodded overhead, and Nellie nestled under their shadow. She had always been an impulsive child, one of those children who will ask any question that comes into their heads, and a good many come. She had no notion of restraining her curiosity. If anything puzzled her, she must always have it explained. Rhoda, she said, suddenly, in her clear little voice, what has Mr. Channel done to offend you? Don't you like him? The words struck Rhoda like a sharp, unexpected blow. Without a moment's pause, she cried out harshly and bitterly. I wish he'd never come here, Nellie. I wish you and I had never seen him. Nellie was so startled by the passionate tone that she jumped up from her seat. 
as she moved somebody on the other side of the shock moved also it was mr channel rhoda turned her head in time to see him walking away in an instant she realized that he had heard all but she dared not think of the construction that would be put upon her outburst perhaps she had mortally offended her father's best friend perhaps he would go away from them all forever oh what a wretched woman i am she groaned aloud and then she saw that nelly had run off after ralph channel she rose slowly and wandered back again to the cottage the doors and windows were set wide open her mother sat peacefully knitting in the parlor but rhoda went straight upstairs to her own room nobody could do her any good just then she wanted to be alone and get her senses together her head ached and she had a dazed helpless feeling of having cut herself off from everything comforting so she sat down for a few minutes by the bedside then got up and fell suddenly on her knees in her prayer she did not get much beyond telling god that she was miserable it was rather an outpouring of sorrow than a plea for help but it was her first heartfelt confession of utter weakness and perhaps that was the best way of asking for strength the stray sheep that falls helpless at the shepherd's feet is sure to be folded in his arms and carried in his bosom she could not go down and sit at the tea-table as usual and no one came to disturb her in her solitude but at last when the shadows were lengthening over the fields and the distant church clock struck six she heard a footstep on the stairs the door opened softly and her mother's face looked in may i come to you rhoda she asked gently yes mother rhoda answered i know how shocked and hurt you must be she added but indeed i couldn't help it oh rhoda said mrs farren we've all thought you seemed stern and strange lately but we didn't know until to-day that you had found out our secret he says that it has been all wrong from the beginning he thinks you ought to have heard the truth at once the truth mother echoed rhoda what is it that you mean he says dear rhoda that he ought to have told you who he was mrs farren replied he sees now that it was wrong to come here under a new name a new name her daughter repeated for pity's sake mother speak plainly who is he if he is not ralph channel we all thought you must have found out said mrs farren in a perplexed tone he is poor helen's husband robert claris it was not until some minutes had passed away that rhoda was calm enough to hear her mother's story the two sat hand in hand nearer to each other in heart than they had ever been before perhaps mrs farren had always been a little afraid of her daughter but now that she had got a glimpse into rhoda's inner self the reserve vanished we had always felt sure that robert was no practised sinner she began but we did not know what it was that had driven him to a crime we only guessed something like the truth oh rhoda it's an awful thing when vanity gets the upper hand with a woman 
poor helen made a sad confession to me when she lay dying in this very room it's hard to speak of the faults of the dead but there's justice to be done to the living whatever her faults may have been they were no worse than mine rhoda said humbly and she has done with sinning now while i shall be going on perhaps for years longer helen got deeply into debt mrs farren continued and she used i'm afraid to go to balls and theatres without her husband's knowledge he was sent away sometimes on business by mr elton but don't think her worse than she was rhoda she loved gaiety and admiration passionately but she wasn't a bad woman at heart he always knew and believed that yet she got him into terrible difficulties poor child and at last when her debts had amounted to three hundred pounds she flung herself at his feet and confessed the truth both the women were crying it was indeed hard to expose the faults and follies of the dead they felt as if they had been tearing the soft turf and sweet flowers from helen's grave and yet it had to be done robert was not a converted man at that time went on mrs farren the blow knocked him down and utterly bewildered him he saw no means at all of paying the debts and he knew they must be paid immediately helen hadn't confessed till her creditors had driven her to extremities and he went into the city in a state of despair for there was no help for him and his god perhaps he would have asked aid from his employer if mr elton had been the owner of the business but old mrs elton was a close woman and her son did nothing without her consent rhoda could almost guess what was coming she could see now that man's extremity is often the devil's opportunity if a soul does not seek help from god the prince of darkness steps in on that very morning said mrs farren he found a note from mr elton waiting for him in the office his master told him that he had been suddenly called off to ireland to look after some property there he should be absent six weeks perhaps longer Clarice was to take his place and manage things as he always did while mr elton was away and just an hour or two later a sunburnt sailor-like man came in and clapped robert on the shoulder robert poor fellow didn't recollect him at first but when he said that he was frank ridley and that he had come to pay a debt of long standing he remembered all about him oh mother why did he come just then sighed rhoda the lord suffered it to be so mrs farren answered christ's hour was not yet come that was the devil's hour and a dark hour it was she went on with the story in her own straightforward way frank ridley and mr elton had been schoolfellows and dear friends but while elton was steady and painstaking even in boyhood frank was a never-do-well one chance after another slipped through his fingers situations were got and lost 
at last some new opening offered itself but money was needed and frank was at that time almost penniless he came to elton in his strait and asked for the loan of three hundred pounds to everybody's surprise mrs elton lent him the sum she had a liking for handsome young ridley and opened her purse with a good grace for his sake but frank's undertaking was as usual a dead failure and the money was hopelessly lost ridley himself was lost too for eight years he was neither seen nor heard of and then he turned up again in elton's office with a pocket-book stuffed with banknotes i found out my vocation at last he shouted in his hearty tones i'm captain of a trading vessel and i've traded on my account to good purpose here's the three hundred and i'm downright sorry that i must be off again without seeing your governor claris robert received the money all in notes and gave a receipt and then the sailor went his way after that the enemy came in like a flood and the deep waters rushed over robert's soul he did not cry lord save or i perish alas he thought of everything rather than of him who is able to save to the uttermost here was the exact sum that was needed frank ridley was off on his voyages again and would never perhaps return robert had only to put the notes in his pocket and make no entry in the ledger of course there was a certain risk in doing this but it was very unlikely that anything would be found out and here was the sum the very sum that was wanted within his grasp he would pay it all back he would work night and day to do that he caught at that honest resolution and clung to it as a man clings to a frail spar when the ship goes to pieces this was apollyon's hour of triumph robert went out and paid helen's bills on that very night but the burden that he had taken up was far heavier than that which he had thrown off it was on a monday morning that he had received ridley's money and the succeeding days dragged on as if each day were weighted with iron fetters till saturday came robert wrote to his master daily entering into all the details of business as minutely as usual then on the sunday morning that last sunday that he ever spent with helen he went upstairs after breakfast and laid down upon his bed the sense of sin and shame was upon him he would not mock god by going to church and looking like a respectable man his wife did not know what ailed him he had told her that the debts were paid that was all monday came again the anniversary of his sin and there on the office desk lay a letter addressed to himself in his master's handwriting it had been written on saturday and was dated from dublin i find i am at liberty to come home at once mr elton wrote i have found a friend here who will look after the property for me strangely enough i ran against frank ridley yesterday 
and could scarcely believe my own eyes he had come to dublin in quest of an old sweetheart he told me that he had called at the office and had paid his old debt he showed me your receipt when i looked incredulous i am rather surprised that you did not mention this in your letters robert claris put on his hat and coat and went quietly into the outer office blake he said calling the eldest of the underclerks i am not well and must go home at once i leave the keys in your charge for i know you may be trusted blake an honest fellow looked into claris's face and saw that he spoke the truth then followed the most miserable interview with helen and the hurried preparations for flight his wife entreated that she might go away to her old home under her uncle's roof she had brought him nothing but trouble she owned piteously and he would get on better without her alas poor helen a sorry helpmeet she had been to the man who had loved her these two had not asked the lord to their marriage feast and had never drunk of the wine of his love and so they parted never to meet again till they should meet at the marriage supper of the lamb in melbourne there was one ralph channel who had been the friend of robert's father and the miserable man found him out he told mr channel his whole story nothing was concealed the sin in all its hideousness was exposed to ralph channel's sight and yet he took the sinner to his heart but he tested the young man patiently he let him scrape and save to pay back the money that he had stolen he would not give him a single farthing every shilling of the restored sum was fairly earned in mr channel's service and paid out of a small salary and all that time he saw that a mighty work of grace was going on in robert's soul when mr channel lay dying a lonely childless man he called robert to his side all my property is yours he said you are my sole heir and you must take my name ay and you must make it loved and honoured in the old country so robert came to england full of yearnings for the child whom he had never seen from john farron he learnt that rhoda's heart was hardened against him and yet how could he help loving her for the love that she bare to nelly he knew all about rhoda from her mother's letters and he wanted more than he ever acknowledged to see this woman who could be so hard and yet so tender the opportunity came he bought the farm and gave it to the farmer farron only stipulating that it should go to rhoda at her father's death and he came to dwell amongst the farrens as ralph channel this was all that the mother had to tell rhoda got up when the tale was ended and went quietly out of the house the sun had just gone down but there was light in the west where rosy cloud islands floated in a golden sea and there was a light in rhoda's face that gave her a new charm she knew by some subtle instinct 
where she should find Robert Channel, she ascended the steep winding lane that led to the old churchyard. How did she guess that one woman's harshness would send him to the grave of another? How is it that women go straight to a conclusion which a man could only reach by a circuitous route? He never saw nor heard her coming. His head was bent over that flowery mound, and the grass deadened the sound of her feet. She had been very brave until she found herself by his side, and then all her strength and courage suddenly fled. She had no words to plead for forgiveness. She could only touch his arm with her trembling hand and call him by the name that she had hated all these years. Robert. There was very little said just then. The last glow was dying out of the skies, and the dews were falling on Helen's grave. But the Lord lifted up the light of his countenance upon them, and gave them peace. End of chapter 10 Recording by John Brandon